Okay, welcome along to the next episode of the Make It Count podcast. We're really happy to be here. My name is David. And I'm Matt. And today we're doing our next one in the Kobe series. We're drawing to a close. This is number six. Absolutely. Kobe number six, episode uh, number 57. I was, I was thinking about how this might apply. And I remembered I've been a part of football teams for a long time. And probably it was eight or nine years ago, we started out our football season. We wanted to get promoted, but... You know, we had some players on our team that were not very good. Uh, we had various, uh, you know, I was younger at the time, so sort of relatively inexperienced. We had a couple of players like me about my age, like maybe 1920s, so not very familiar with uh, adult football. And so we went in hoping to get promoted, but maybe not exactly expecting it. Mm -hmm. And yet, through the season, we started to pick up momentum, we got some results, we started winning some more games, including some against our bitterest rivals, where we, we overcame them in some tight games, where we sneaked a goal here and got away with a bit here. And at the end of the season, we were promoted. It was amazing. It was quite fun. And actually, we went and got back-to-back -back promotions, wow. if I remember rightly. That's pretty impressive. And we didn't have the most technical players. We didn't have the best tactics. We didn't have the fastest players or the most physical players. Or Yeah, we basically weren't the most anything. <laughs> but we were very cohesive as a team. Mm. And our sum was greater than probably the individual parts. Mm. The whole was greater than the sum of the parts. Exactly. And that's the concept, really. Today's concept in a shell, or a nutshell, as it were, to see if I can put some more cliches in. But the word is synergize. Habit number six is synergize. And he basically, Stephen Covey says, when the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And that was one experience I've had mm. of being in what... Maybe it didn't always feel like synergy, but we definitely were greater as a whole than the sum of our individual parts, which sometimes felt a bit ropey. Yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting um, because, of course, I've, I've also played football quite a lot and I've been on teams where it feels like the whole is not greater than the sum of the parts. It's, it's actually not even equal to the sum of the parts. It's less than the sum of the parts mm. because not everyone is pulling in the same direction mm. and that actually creates not a positive synergy a negative synergy you might say yeah yeah we've all been a part of those teams as well where you think this is really good and this is really good and that's really good why is it together really terrible yeah so that's that's the challenge mm. um, and in preparation for this episode i spent a bit of time watching a video that Covey, Stephen Covey did himself uh, he was presenting this material to a whole room of people and discussing about what is the importance of synergy, what it gets you to. And one of the things he said again and again is really to synergize um, it, when you get it right, it, it creates the possibility of a third alternative. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've spoken about some of the other habits and he really hammered home again and again. Habit number six, synergize, is almost the goal you're aiming for. We want to create a third alternative, which is above and beyond, superior to either one of the previous um, perspectives, or it, as David said, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, but it's a, it's a new way, a third way, 
But the only way you can get there is by first fully and deeply committing to win-win, not win-lose. I win, you lose. You so win-win is, is habit four. Yeah, win-win is habit four. So you deeply have to commit to that and go, it's not about what my way wins over your way. It's about we both win. Um, but it's more than just compromise. Mm. It's if I then use habit five and I really seek first to understand, then be understood, at that point, perspectives have been shared and I've actually taken the time to understand you, not just listening to get a word in or listen to try and dismantle your view or listen to think about how I can respond, but go, I'm going to listen so that I can try to understand you. It was brilliant. He brought down two people from the audience um, and got them talking about the environment and said, right, so I need someone who's really passionate about protecting the environment. This woman came down and said, I, really, I need someone who's, who thinks that the, the environmentalist movement has maybe gone a little bit too far and is, is not considering some of the other things. And a, a bloke came down and they just kind of, he said, OK, right, start. And they started having a discussion and effectively both of them were trying to explain their own point of view first. And he said, OK, we're going to pause here. I want you to not state your position until you can accurately state their position to their satisfaction. And mm-hmm. um, it was so interesting. And the whole conversation, the whole tone changed a lot. And you could see they, were, they weren't itching to go because they then had to restrain themselves and be like, I need to understand you. And he was like, it's not about agreeing with them. It's not even about changing any of your value or even passing any value judgment. It's just purely, I want to get in my head what is in their head. Mm-hmm. And that was really interesting. I think that idea of explaining it until they're satisfied with your explanation. Yeah. Not until, oh, I think I've got it. Like, uh, I've talked to people and they say, you know, They'll say about themselves, I'm terrible, I always interrupt because I think I know what they're going to say. Maybe people that self-label as smart are more likely to do that because they're sure that other people are going to fit this pattern. And so we interrupt because I know you're going to say this in a minute, Matt. But actually when it's saying, I need to wait, then I can explain it until you're satisfied with my explanation. Until I think I've got it right, until you're satisfied. That's quite a big, quite a big bar, really. Yeah. And he's, it was brilliant because, you know, he was doing this in the, the role play, the context of this environmental discussion, which he picked that perfectly because it's quite a emotive um, topic. But he said, it's very well possible for all of you guys who have been here for several days on this workshop, we're going through all of these habits. You could go and you could walk out of this room and you could get into a, you know, an argument with someone and immediately start seeking first to be understood. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 these things are ingrained in us. Our default is to, I want to explain myself and for you to understand me. And, you know, we, we have to retrain ourselves. Mm-hmm. If we're going to get to synergy, we first have to value that other people don't see the world as we do. Mm. So, and it is quite, counter to what is normal. I remember coming across some research and they got two people to do a tug of war. So imagine me against you and we will pull a hundred percent against each other. Yeah. But as soon as we add me and Fred against you and Billy, we're gonna I be I knew you were gonna say Billy. Billy. I almost said Billy. Yeah. <laughs> two other imaginary people, but it's two against two, all four 
pull much less, like 80% of what they can maximum. Wow. And the more people you add, the less everyone pulls. So even though the sum is, is greater than any individual, the total is not as good as it should be. Wow. And, and so that's really counter and one of the reasons why they, in, in sport, they look at this idea of social loafing, that one player can sort of get away with it. The bigger the team, the easier it is to hide and maybe not put in your maximum effort. Yep. And so we're talking about this idea of synergy and that's kind of scary because we have to open ourselves up to other people. Yeah. And your preparation was watching a video. My preparation was flicking through the chapter again and reading some of the stuff. And he said, many people cannot do that. They cannot do synergized communication because they've grown up into situations where all communication is defensive and protecting. Yeah. I've got to be defensive about myself. I've got to protect myself. It's too risky to open myself up to you. Mm. And actually, if you want synergy, you have to open yourselves up to an unpredictability. Yeah. To, as you said, adopting someone else's perspective. Well, that might change me. If you're not open to being changed through that, you're not open to synergy, to to that possibility of the whole being greater than the sum of the parts. Which is why, probably, for many of us, these are such rare and fleeting moments. And he talks about that. He said, as I reflected on my work career, many of my highlight moments were synergized or synergized moments. Mm. But I wouldn't have had the word for it in that moment. But they were good, that everything came together. Everyone was thinking win-win. Everyone was had understood each other and was seeking to understand. And then we all pulled in the same direction and something greater than any individual could have come up with. But they're fleeting moments. And I think that's one of the things he says is, but when they do happen, they're beautiful. And so are we, are we going to open ourselves up to those possibilities? Yeah, that's so interesting. A few thoughts race through my mind as you're talking about that. I remember a, a training experience I went on pre-pandemic. Ooh. Yeah, but, uh, right early in 2020, end of February or beginning of February. And it was this experience where we went as a team of five and there were a whole load of different companies that sent their teams. And we were trying to compete in this sort of imaginary project from... Um, procurement through you know bidding through to construction and, and delivery at an accelerated timetable of course um, weeks happened in sort of minutes and um, the the thing that they were trying to teach us though was not just okay who the person that, the team that wins isn't just the ones that get it in on time and on budget but they wanted to teach us collaboration collaborative practices between teams yes you're competing but actually you can collaborate and work with each other uh, and part of the teaching they discussed they were saying one of the issues in construction in engineering generally is you don't really typically have a lot of like-for-like -like comparison projects but they had an opportunity to um, run a like-for-like -like project and one had been done in traditional ways which is typically quite adversarial in the engineering construction environment every party is effectively doing exactly what you said all the communication is quite defensive quite protect yourself these are the tight limits of my scope anything outside of that is not my purview it's not my fault if it goes wrong it's you know boom 
And so all these walls go up and so much time is then spent basically haggling over, well, whose responsibility is this and whose responsibility is that? And they said there was this other project where right from the beginning, um, they basically got everybody in the room, all the stakeholders, they really thrashed it out and said, what do you need from this? What do we need from this? What do we all want from this? And they encouraged a collaboration all the way through where everybody's voice was cared for and everybody realised, well, we're actually... We're all on the same team, in a sense. We all want the project to succeed. And what they found is the budget was, the, the whole project was completed for 30% less and like it took 20% less time or something. It basically, everything was improved and all the companies and everyone in, involved were like, yeah, we'd happily work with you again mm-hmm. because you're not having to, you know, it's not a pain. And so it's like, oh, that's so interesting. But in order for that to work, all of the people involved had to go, well, we're all going to accept risk uh, almost more holistically rather than we're going to minimise our own risk and throw up some walls. That that means that the risk is now just put onto you and everybody's trying to do that. So it's like past the hot potato. Whereas if everyone goes, okay, we'll all take our fair share of the risk, open ourselves up to that vulnerability and then we can reap the benefits together, which is it all went quicker, it all went less expensive and everybody enjoyed it better it sounds like you've touched on a a concept that i've recently started to get very interested in which is this idea of trust Mm. you said when trust is low friction is very high Mm. when trust is high friction is very low and that's basically what you said everyone decided or chose or was brought into this process where okay we're going to trust each other and we're going to accept maybe a bit more risk. But it meant the friction was so low that financially it was better, time-wise it was better, effort probably it was better, and it was a much more enjoyable experience for everyone. Yeah. And so there's that element of trust there that has to happen in synergy that, that hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you in, and who knows where we're going to go. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things uh, you talked about it at a big scale and in, in the business, in, in a, a, that's really true as well, but... I think in the individual level as well, sometimes we don't, we're defensive, we're protecting ourselves because we want to be in control. And there has to be a letting go of our control to a degree, mm. to, to seeking to understand other people so that, hey, maybe there is going to be a bigger or something better or something that is greater than the sum. And that's where he talks about, it's very... Uh, in at the moment but you know, valuing differences yeah and and what what does that really mean well we we don't all see the world the same way and so actually as you said if we're seeking really to understand we want to work with those people in a friendship in a married relationship in a professional context actually what does it really mean to truly value those differences maybe that's not straightforward but also is it is our desire for synergy for that greater whole enough to pull us through yeah uh, i quite like what you said there about the sort of valuing what other people say he talks about how this is the, the sort of the pithy saying we do not see the world as it is but we see the world as we are mm-hmm. um, and in order to actually have any sense of increasing objectivity in the way we see the world we have to recognize our own subjectivity and then go okay 
valuing other people's different opinions or diversity of opinions is not just a good thing to be aimed for. It's actually vital if I'm going to see the world more accurately mm. because I am limited by my own lens, by my own experience. I see the world as I am because of the way that I've experienced life. So I need people who see the world differently in order to shine a different light on it and go, huh, oh, maybe it looks a little bit different than I first thought. Mm. And he said, it's not about, you know, it, this it's important to not then go, well, should we just throw our own values out of the window? He said, no, it's not about dumping your own values. Actually, this allows you to actualize them more fully, more really, and um, and accept that you don't see the world completely, fully as you, uh, and the one who's unwilling to listen, actually, this is now my, my, me speaking, but the one who's una- unable to listen is really quite proud because they're effectively going, well, I see the world perfectly and everybody else needs to align themselves with me. Mm. Yeah, there, that is proud and not humble at all. A number of years ago, I was responsible for training and developing some short-term recruits or three-month volunteers and towards the end of their time it was given to them a responsibility really to plan a two two and a half hour prayer evening and this group was 20 23 people big and i just introduced when they were going to be doing it i spent half an hour with them just saying hey these are some things you could do but really i was coaching them starting to get them in i wasn't adding anything or inputting anything they'd experienced a few before and then I said right it's yours now I'm not involved this is your responsibility (laughs) which is quite a brave step because it reflects badly on me if it doesn't go well you know that's something that could be withdrawn from future groups for example if it all goes wrong and after a week a couple of weeks a couple of them start coming to me. I hear rumours and disagreements and discontent and it's not working and how is it? how should we do this? And every part of me wanted to step in and be like, right guys, we're going to have a meeting and we're going to resolve it. But I said, no, I've given it to you. I will leave it to you. But all, all the time, it, it was this teetering on the edge of chaotic breakdown. <laughs> I don't know if that's quite the right word, but that's what it felt like from from on the edge. Felt like periphery. It was breaking at the seams. Yeah, a little bit. And obviously trying to get 23 people, 24 people on the same wavelength, on the same page, in the same pulling in the same direction, not easy. Especially when I hadn't been like, and you're the leader. No, they had to figure that one out as well. Mm. And so there were factions and everything. The, the Thursday night comes around. They've got this two, two and a half hour event. And... It was magnificent. It was beautifully done. I actually wept at the event and that was all part of it. But actually, that was a moment where they all pulled together and they created something beautiful. And that idea of teetering on the edge of chaos, that's one of the sort of things Stephen Covey talks about, is that synergy is just on the edge of chaos and total breakdown there there are amazing points but there's a fear because he said i've also been a part of places or times when it has gone into just chaos and it was messy and it didn't work at all and there was no synergy it was just chaos and that's not a positive experience yeah and actually if you've had an experience like that you don't want to risk yeah the, the opening yourselves up to synergy again mm. and so 
whilst I had the blessing of which witnessing this group just teeter on the edge mm. and then have this synergistic moment, I can imagine, and maybe I haven't had that situation where we've gone all the way up to the edge and then stumbled into chaos and that being something that was messy and unhelpful and not good. But I suppose then it's a it's an idea of trust again. Absolutely. I think something I circled when I was making notes earlier, he talks about it's so important to value differences, but the thing that means, the thing that holds it all together is you have to have a common purpose and some common principles. Mm. There has to be a glue that ties you together, a, the principles that are driving you in the same direction. O- otherwise, it is just, it becomes mess and it becomes everything's chaos. Mm. So, and I think that's the thing mm. that you have to take time really hammering out earlier on when you're, look, when you're thinking, when, when, when you're thinking, seek first to understand. And you're going, okay, well, in order to get synergy, we all need to be basically pointing in this, aiming for the same win, even though we maybe think about how we'll get that differently or even actually what that might look like. Uh, and that, that common purpose stops it from just being a babble of different voices. That's really good that you said that because earlier in this podcast, you said, hey, the goal is synergy. And I was thinking, I'm not sure it is. Mm. And actually, the, the, the idea is that we want to be in teams and organizations and relationships that experience synergy. But as you said, you can't just be synergistic, knowing, going nowhere. Yeah, there yeah, has yeah. to be somewhere you're heading towards a common purpose. And so maybe it's a cycle, as you talked about this project. They were working towards this shared thing of, can we, can we complete this engineering project? And they did. But they didn't carry on just in a synergistic state after that. It was then a new project. And, yeah. and how can we reach towards that? So I, I think that's really good, that shared vision, that shared purpose. But there is a finiteness to it. For sure. you, you can't just stay in a synergistic state forever, I think. I think well, it depends on what your the domain is. So in a in a workplace environment, probably there is there is a case of every, you you have to go okay, that's a now closed cycle, and we we maybe create a new thing and we start again. Or maybe it's the same with relationships. But I think, for example, in a family system, mm. you have family relationships. You're hoping that there's no deadline on those. It's true. Um, and so, um, how can you in in the same way to we talked about procrastinating in one um in one episode and how when you have a deadline that kind of that can force you to do the things that you need to do for that but with a basically with the most important things in our life the relationships there aren't any sort of clear deadlines mm. and so how can we respond how can we start behaving in a synergistic way with our family with our parents with our spouses with our siblings with our children in a way that we do exactly these things. We're seeking for win-win. We're seeking first to understand them. Mm. And then we're going, okay, what, and what does synergy look like for this relationship? What does synergy look, synergy look like for this family? Mm-hmm. Which is, it's a different domain. Um, but it he is. doesn't seem to think it doesn't apply there. No, he does think it applies there. Uh, he talks about that communication in, in your personal relationships and in a synergistic way. And I think... But even his examples were, were closed examples. So he talks about one where the, the husband really wanted to go, you know, fly fishing with his sons, 
but she really wanted to go visit like her grandma or her mum, I think it was. And they were totally different places. And they were like, well, this is the fly fishing season here. So if we can't go now, we're not maybe going to go. And so they were in this conflict. But actually, after having some tension, they were able to sit down and resolve it and go, oh, OK, we'll go. And there are some fly fishing places nearby where your your mum is. And so we'll spend some time. Well, they had to work hard to find a win-win and to synergize and really understand in that situation. Sure. And and so I wonder if, without layering on too many more things, but that idea of cycles of a team, you know, situations and circumstances change situations. If you a work situation changes, then there's a there's a new start almost, and mm. you might have to go. Oh, what's our new normal? What's how do we storm into that process? Yeah. Okay, now we're forming together. Oh, now we can synergize or we can come together. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't. But the yeah, you want to get into a place where, like you said, the goal is not to compromise, but actually to work out what is a win-win to understand each other so that you can synergize and create something. The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah. And that is today's sort of episode, Habit 6. Yeah. May you go forth and synergize. And after you've done that, come back for Habit number 7. Yeah. Let us know what you enjoyed about this episode. And we always like to hear back with what episodes you enjoy and what you're enjoying about the episodes. Absolutely. Right. See you guys next week. See you next week.